in the darkness. It's a, it's a, a series that um, I haven't been, uh, sounds kind of weird, but it's a series that I knew that we were called to do. Um, but it's, it's a series that um, I'm not really uh, excited, but I am very, uh, it's a hard message series. It's a hard message series. And you'll see why here in a little bit. So before we, get, before we get there, let's talk about a very, very serious topic that we need to hash out right now as the body of Christ. It's a very important, hot issue, and I feel like we need to state this right now off the bat, is, is Frozen 2 a good Disney movie? Is it, is, does anyone here like Frozen? Has anyone seen Frozen 2? And has anyone seen the first Frozen? Just to kind of play, play with me this morning, is, is what, what's your kind of favorite Disney movie out there? Just throw them out there. What, we got Aladdin, we got Beauty and the Beast, Mulan. I love Mulan. Oh, what I else? What, what, what else? Some other Disney movies. Anyone like Fox and the Hound? Go, go old Fox and the Hound. What about Sleeping Beauty? Let's go really old school Snow White. Anyone here like Snow White? We just, uh, my kids just watched Snow White for the first time. Um, and I tell you what, when I was a kid, it was an all right, kind of boring movie for me. Um, now as an adult, like my kids watch it, that witch is creepy. Holy cow. I'm like, I'm like, I'm scared, Micah. Are you scared? And he's like, no, I'm not totally fine. I'm like, she's freaky, man. Like, I don't know if that the app, the whole Apple thing, like you're gonna trust an Apple for me. It's just, it's weird. And so, but there, uh, the reason I'm talking about this is uh, we love Disney movies. In fact, uh, I think I like Disney movies more than my kids. And uh, we actually just watched Frozen 2. And uh, my kids are a big fan of Frozen 1. But Frozen 2, I had to tell my kids to p- play even quietly so I can listen to all the songs that Olaf was singing to. And that's a true story. And like to this day, it is like Into the Unknown is one of my favorite songs now. It is like, man, I'm jamming to that. And it is, it's, I know, don't judge me. I see some of you guys judging me. But no, like, like, like we love Disney movies. And in fact, the society as a whole really does, loves Disney movies. They like fairy tale movies. We love these movies, um, but even more so the fairy tale aspect of it. And I think the reason we love them so much is that their entire plot goes like this. See if you guys agree with me. The movie starts out awesome. Everyone's happy. Then a problem occurs. A hero is introduced. Then the hero goes on this lengthy battle to fight the bad guy. And it looks like the hero's about to lose. But at the last second, the hero overcomes and the bad guy's defeated and the hero remains victorious. And then it's like everyone gets married, the curse over the land is lifted, and everyone is singing the hit song towards the end that every title will be singing until the sequel comes out, right? That's kind of about the, 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 the gist of today's fairy tale movies. And we love these movies. We love these movies. Even if you don't like fairy tale movies, just movies in general have that same plot line, do they not? They have the same plot line. Something's going out great, then something bad happens, someone rescues the person from the bad thing, and then they get happy, they get married, and then happily ever after, they all live great. And we love these. Why? It's because I think we secretly wish our life was like a fairy tale. We secretly wish our life would be like that of a fairy tale. Now, guys are like, oh, whatever, like, I die hard, wish my life was like die hard. No, you would not, okay? You'd be scared just as much as I would be scared hiding up at the vent from the bad guys, okay? It's, it's, but we wish our life was like a fairy tale because fairy tales have happy what? Endings, happy endings. Well, newsflash for most of us, 
Life isn't a fairy tale. In fact, most of our lives are anything but. Sometimes if we can be honest with ourselves, our life feels like that constant scene in the movie of us fighting the bad guy, wondering when, our, when is our hero gonna show on stage? Like, is he ever coming? Is she ever coming? Like, like, who, like is the hero ever going to arrive? Well, what's gonna happen? And we wonder, where's our hero? And really, it's, it's, it's a valid question, and it's a question that I want to walk us through, through this series, through the book of Habakkuk. Now, everyone say Habakkuk. You got your phlegm cleared out now of your throat, right? We're going through this book called Habakkuk. A few months ago during my personal studies, I went through this short book, and it, really, it rocked my faith. It's a book that maybe many of us haven't read. It's only three chapters long. You can read about 15 minutes, and it rocked my faith. Like, I thought I had faith until I read this book and read the story of this guy named Habakkuk. And then I started praying, Lord, would my faith be as strong as this guy's? And so I put it aside. I thought it was just kind of for my own studies, my own personal spiritual growth. And then my wife read it and she said, hey, uh, I think we need to do the series. And I said, no, no, like I've got my series kind of planned out and we plan on our series a little bit. And then ever since a couple months ago, it seems like the enemy has just been attacking individuals in our church with sickness and divorce and diagnoses, financial issues, and all those different things. And I'm thinking, Lord, like, our church is doing so great. Like, where, like, where are you in everyone's midst? And he's like, remember that, remember that story that you read of Habakkuk? You need to go back to that. And so this morning, we're going to start this series because I believe this is a very timely series for our church. Really quick, a couple, some background. Habakkuk was a prophet of the Old Testament. The prophet's job was to speak to the nation of Israel on behalf of God. So what would happen if I was a prophet, God would speak to me, and then I'd come to you as the nation of Israel and say, thus says the Lord, something like that. And then I'll give you a message. And the prophet would get a message from God, and the prophet would get everyone together and then share the big message. And these messages could really vary and what they would say. Some prophets would bring messages and says, God's gonna bless you. And the nation went crazy. Like, oh, like, it's awesome. And then some prophets said, God's gonna bring judgment. And they're like, we hate you, kill them. Kind of like being a pastor sometimes. I don't know. Um, thank you guys for laughing at that one. But it, 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 was, it was a job. It was a very difficult job. And, and this prophet Habakkuk, he was a different kind of prophet. He was a different kind of prophet. And I only say this from what little we know about him in the book that he wrote, again, book's not very long, but what you read, it isn't Habakkuk sharing a message to the people on behalf of God. But rather, you see a reverse of that, and you read Habakkuk sharing a message to God on really behalf of the people, which is very, very backward. And the reason he is doing this is because he was a prophet at probably one of the hardest times during the nation of Israel. You see, he was a prophet over a portion of Israel called Judah. And Judah was at this time in history a very impoverished part of the nation. They weren't prospering. In fact, uh, corruptness and injustice and, and violence was taking over. And all of this was taking place. And Habakkuk was just kind of standing back and wondering, God, if we are truly your people, where are you in all of this? Like, what are you doing? Like, you are God and you have the power to do 
all of this, you can actually correct this by the snap of your finger. Like, God, like, like what, where are you and what are you doing or what are you not doing? And he's kind of at this place and he was beginning to have some serious, hard questions for him. And he was thinking these questions again, like, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this? You could stop it. Why don't you? Or even this isn't really fair, God. And really, this was an issue in the heart of Habakkuk 2,600 years ago. And if we can kind of just examine ourselves, it's still a very real issue that we have today. God, where are you? Why is there injustice? Why is violence taking over? God, why is this happening in my life? God, this doesn't seem fair. And so Habakkuk pens these three chapters down and we see a message that isn't really easy to read because when we, what we read is a person whose heart is so troubled, church. His heart is so troubled, he doesn't hold back when he's speaking to God. And this is where I wanna pick up in the scripture. I want you guys to follow along with me. And like I said, this is a heavy message. So tag along with me for the next few moments. And let's see where we go. Habakkuk chapter one, we're gonna start at verse two. Verse one is an intro, verse two through four. This is Habakkuk saying, and you can picture the guy just desperate. He's saying this, saying, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. How many of you guys ever felt like God's not listening to you? God, are you listening? Habakkuk's feeling the same way. Come on, let's be honest this morning. Not everyone's got a direct line to God. So there's times where we feel like, God, I can't hear you all the time. Habakkuk, the prophet of God, is feeling this. He says, you don't listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't come to save. Habakkuk doesn't get what is happening. He knows God can intervene, but, but for something right now, God isn't. And really, God doesn't. And so he begins to do something as a response to what God is and isn't doing in the following verses. And really, his name, Habakkuk, summons it up. You see, write this down, because this is kind of the core of the message really early. Habakkuk, the name Habakkuk means to embrace and to wrestle. Habakkuk means to embrace and to wrestle. You'll want to know that as we continue through this. To embrace and to wrestle. And it's right here, I think it's fitting right here where I probably need to stop and just give you a fair warning that this message isn't a fairy tale message. Very tall messages are usually something like I, I preach. In fact, actually, the, the seminary term is called sitcom messages. And it's where the pastor gets up when we start off really well, usually with a joke or something like that. And this is all true. They teach you this in seminary. And I didn't go to seminary, so maybe, I don't know. That. But they teach you, so you start off really well. You take the plane off and you start at a cruising altitude. Then you add some turbulence, a little tension, a little problem. And then they tell you to bring the hero in with a solution. That's Jesus in his scripture. And we have this wrestling moment, this tension, this problematic issue, like this is what I wanna do, but this is what God wants to do. And then we end the message knowing that if we apply this, the solution, Jesus and his scripture, we can resolve this personal issue that we have. And really, that's how we preach. And it's a very effective way of preaching. And one of the reasons it's very effective because then you guys can go home and eat a very comfortable lunch and you guys are good to go for the week, right? Really, they teach you that. But this, this isn't that message. This isn't the story of Habakkuk. 
The message of Habakkuk is not a fairy tale message. And just like our life, our life is not a fairy tale story. We want our life to look like that, or, or better yet, we want, we want our life to look like almost like a, like a Christmas Hallmark. You guys have seen those, right? Oh, I love my job. I lose my job. I moved to the lumber mill up in Colorado, Aspen, Colorado, trying to find myself, meet a good-looking girl or a handsome guy. For me, it's a good-looking girl. Um, make that very clear. Um, and then we go up there, we fall in love. I decided to stay to my home roots. And I'm like, oh, I found myself, I found my spouse. We're getting married happily ever after. And the snow starts falling. And the only guy with the beard in the whole town is actually Santa Claus. And then we're like, oh my goodness. And like, that's Hallmark. And like, oh, be like, we want that Hallmark feeling. We want that in our life. But life isn't like that. For some of us, life for, some, for us is like we lost our job that we loved, but we don't get a better job. And so we're so broke, we have to file for bankruptcy, and then we feel like a failure. Or we love our spouse, and then our spouse cheats and then blames you for the issue and doesn't apologize and then leaves. Or we love our life, like, come on, let's be real. We love our life. Then we get a bad medical report. We say, we got the big C word, cancer. And so we go to war with cancer, don't we? And we pray and we fast and we get on the prayer chain and then we go back and we, we go with chemo and chemo does a good job and it, it's all gone. And we celebrate. And then six months down the road at the next checkup, it's back. And the report isn't good. And then in the midst of all of this, a well-meaning Christian comes in and gets in your face and says, hey, brother, sister, God's in control. You need to let go and let God. And your response, at least mine has been, holding back that bald fist, put it behind your back, making sure it doesn't leash out and strike them in the face. Because at your dark valley where you're embracing and wrestling, your faith foundation, your faith is being rattled and spiritually shaken. You are the one that has the constant questioning of God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, can you really do anything? God, where are you? And maybe you're screaming in every fiber of your being that, God, this isn't fair. And that's life for some of us. And really, that's the life of Habakkuk. He continues in verse three. See what he says. He says this. He says, must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all of this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, meaning the law isn't even working now. And there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Habakkuk is pleading and begging to God, God, we need you, but you're not here with us. And in chapter one, we really see Habakkuk's plead and we really can see three issues that he has with God. 
again, let's take off our tiny little halos, put it aside, be honest. How many of us have had issues with God? Right? We've all had issues with God. Habakkuk had three of them. I wanna show you what they are. The first issue is this. The first problem with God that he had is, God, you don't seem to really care. God, you don't seem to really care. He writes down his agony and it just seems like God is just allowing injustice and suffering and really it's a valid issue because we look around our world today, guess what we see? Injustice and suffering. Everywhere around us, even in our personal lives, we feel like injustice is done to us. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning, you have been really faithful in keeping your virginity up till marriage and you know that's a godly standard. But right now, you can't find a loved one. And you have friends that mess around their entire lives, and now they're happily married. How's that fair? Or maybe this morning, you, you've been really wanting a kid with your spouse, and, but you just can't conceive a kid. And you look around, and there's families who just treat them like dirt. And you're wondering, how come they have kids and I don't? How's that fair? Maybe you've been faithful to God and you've had a strong prayer life. You serve and you attend church and you're generous with everything that God has given you, but you're still battling that medical issue. How's that fair? And you're feeling a lot like Habakkuk when he says, must I forever see these evil deeds? Why do I have to watch all of this misery before me? After all, God, I'm after you. Why am I wrestling with this? God, you just don't seem to really care. Second problem he had was this. God, you aren't doing much when you could. You're not doing much when you could. Like, have you ever been there? Like, like God, you have the power to do this, but you're not. It's, it's like, God, there are people starving like all over the world. There are people dying. There are innocent people being harmed. It just seems like you're holding back all of your, your supernatural power to do good, and it just seems like you're not doing much. Let's bring it a little closer home. God, you have the power to heal, but why am I still sick? God, you have the power to give life, but why can't I have a kid? God, you want me to have joy, but why am I still battling depression? You want me to... You want, you, you want me to not live in fear, but I still have anxiety. God, I know you can restore marriages, but why is my marriage in a divorce? God, you aren't doing much when you could. And here's the hard part of it all. This is the really big kind of Christian pill to swallow is that God can do all of this. He can heal, he can restore. He can give life. He wants you to have joy and not live in He wants all of that for you. But if you look at the many lives around us, even, even more so those who call themselves Jesus followers, we see people struggling in the dark. And it looks like God isn't doing much. And we're wondering, God, you're not doing much when you could. And Habakkuk's having the same thought. Here's the last problem he had. God, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. 
God, what you are doing does not seem fair. And really, this is the thought of like, God, if I were you, I would do things a lot differently. We've been there, right? Like, God, let, let, let me be there. Let, like, like, if I had everything that you had, God, like, I would be doing things a lot differently right now. And we've all had this thought along with all of these other thoughts. And if it's okay to be honest with you, I have had these thoughts. I've had all of these thoughts. There's a false assumption out there that they say you can never question God. If you question God, you have no faith. I would tell you this morning, that's a lie. Is it okay to ever question God? It might be controversial. I think you can. I think you can question God. It's okay. It's completely okay to question God. In fact, one third of the Psalms are all prayers and songs of people hurting and asking God why. The authors of Job, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and Jeremiah, and Habakkuk are all books of the Bible that express confusion and hurt and unbearable suffering by those who love God. And even Jesus, hanging on the cross, asked God, why did you forsake me? And so I want to let you know this morning, I don't know what you've been taught, but it is okay to ask God why. He doesn't count it against you. And this is Habakkuk, and this is you and I, and God hears, hears us. I know he does. I believe he does. And God hears Habakkuk. But in this story, God responds. He responds with something that is profound, and it looks like great news. You guys ready for some good news this morning? You guys ready for some good, like maybe a sunshine with the rainbow little thing right now? Okay, here we go. The Lord replies, says, look around the nations, look and be amazed for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Like, like this would be good news, right? But God says, step back and just be utterly amazed. Anytime we hear that, that's the beginning of an awesome show. Like, yes, God, impress me, blow me away. We're rooting like, God, 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 God. I'm like, yeah, like something. Here, here comes the blessing. In fact, in the, in the sermon, this would be the, the, the big high point, and we're cheering, and we're, we're saying scripture and saying, you know, God's not against you. He's for you. You're more than a conqueror and, and all this stuff, and we're feeling really good. But that's not the story of Habakkuk. For some of us, that's not the story of our life. You see, God says that he is going to do something amazing. But it, it isn't what Habakkuk would expect or really even want. It says God is going to use a group of people called the Babylonians. The Babylonians were this fierce just nation. And they were like the sole enemies of Israel. And this is what God, remember, he just said, he says, stand back and be utterly amazed. Watch what I'm going to do. Habakkuk, probably like I said, yes, yes. And this is what God says. He says, guess what? I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They'll march across the world and conquer other lands. They're notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Jump to verse nine. On they come, meaning they're coming towards you, all bent on violence. Like what? Like, God, that's not the process of how this is supposed to be. Like, God, I, I come to you, I pray, I bring all my issues with you, and then you're like, oh, poor Vaughn. Okay, here's a blessing, then I'm good to go. But that's not real life. 
That's not life for us, and that's really not life for Habakkuk. And he's saying that, God, I'm praying and asking you on behalf of other people to do something, and this is what you decide to do? Like, you're going to raise up our enemies to come and destroy us? Like, how does that even work? Like, like, I don't understand that. But then we see something very important from this prophet. Verses 12 through 13, we see the meaning of his name come into play. Let's read this. He says, man, Habakkuk means to embrace and to wrestle. He says this, oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, I'm embracing. Surely you do not plan to wipe us out. He's wrestling. Oh Lord, our rock. He's embracing God. You have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our, our many sins. He's wrestling. But, you, but you're pure and you cannot stand the sight of evil. He, he's embracing again. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? He's wrestling. And we see Habakkuk go through all these, this thought process of, of ups and downs, of embracing and wrestling. If we can just step back and look at any hero of the faith, we see the same process of embracing and wrestling throughout scripture. Every one of them. And if we really want to be brave and we step back and we look at embracing and wrestling, we actually see that looks like the Christian life. which is scary because a lot of us, we signed up to be Jesus followers because we've been taught that it was gonna be like a fairy tale. But it's not. It's this process of embracing and wrestling. It, it, it looks a lot like this. You guys know what a curve diagram is? I was gonna draw it and I forgot my board and so I can't do my cool artist thing now. But our life is, is, is kind of like we meet God and we go uphill. We're like, yes, yes, this is like good. Like God's faithful and he's good. It's awesome. Oh, we're on the mountaintop. And so like this, this is where it's at. This is what I've been told. This is amazing. And then something happens where the diagram goes down. We're like, God, where are you? What's happening? What's going on? And then we get to this bottom point of the curve that I call the dark valley. And it's right here at this dark valley, the, 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 the lowest point, where we're, we're wondering like, what's happening? And this can look like a lot of, it, it could be the marriage and divorce, losing a kid, losing your job. And something happens that we call a crisis of belief. Now, the crisis of belief is it's actually a, a, uh, a term. It's a, it's a term that means that a follower of Jesus gets to the bottom of the curve and we don't know what we believe anymore because of the crisis. We know what we read. God is good. God is just. He brings out blessing, new mercy every single day. When we get to this point, we're wondering, is that true? I don't see it. I'm not experiencing it right now. If God's that good, then why am I right here? And the crisis of belief is a very pivotal point in any Christian's life. Because two things happen. Two things happen, and a choice needs to be made. I'm going to share this with you. 
There are people who get to that bottom valley, the crisis of belief, and they say, forget it. If God is good, then this won't be happening, and they walk away from the faith. It's all that deconversion. It's a very sad, sad thing. Or, this is not the other choice, but this is also in the same party of walking away from God. They act like nothing bad is happening, and they, de- they deny reality. And they fake it until they make it. But here's the thing, they never make it. Because when you deny the reality of the dark valley, you'll miss the good things that God can do. And so I stand here today saying two things. Don't say forget it. And don't be at the point where you're trying to fake and say all is good and wear a smile on your face when all is not good. So that's one choice. The other choice is this. There is a people that get to the crisis of belief, that dark valley. And just like Habakkuk, you can choose to embrace and wrestle. And these people, they embrace and they wrestle with God and man, do they wrestle. They're wondering and they're wondering, God, where are you? Why is this happening? And let me tell you, it's okay to wrestle with God. It is okay to wrestle with God because it's the wrestling in the valley. Some of us, you need to write this down and put it where you see it because it's the wrestling in the valley that you experience the true intimacy of Jesus Christ. Many people think it's the mountaintops. It's not. If I can be honest, when Christians get to mountaintops, we forget God. Everything's going good. But it's in the dark valley where you wrestle with God that you experience the true intimacy of God. Can, can I share something like super personal with me? I've never shared this before, and I told my wife I was sharing it. She's like, can you do it? I'm like, I asked permission, and she's like, yeah, I want to share it. I am in a season of embracing and wrestling was something in my life. Our, our daughter, I shared this part a lot of times. Our daughter Aspen's five years old. She has Down syndrome. Um, we prayed for her life. We fasted and um, their, their doctors weren't very favor with her living. We said, no, we're gonna bring her life. And, and we believe God honored that. And so she was born and then she was flown to um, Children's Hospital where she had to have, I think about six uh, blood transfusions. Um, each of them were very uh, like life or death issues. And so a lot of ups and downs, but we prayed and we fought. We had great faith. And now she's on this other side and she's doing really good. Like health, she's on like cognitively, she's on the top of her class. She does really, really well. She's a little mischievous, which I kind of like, a little sassy a little bit. And so my wife doesn't like that because she has to run after her. I think it's hilarious. And so I'm like, you go. And then about six months ago, something hit me that I never had to think about. We were listening to a story of uh, a young woman with Down syndrome. She was about 38 years old. And uh, she passed away. I'm like, oh, I'm like that's, that's so sad. Like, being the parents of that, I'm like, that's sad. And, and then something Jill said, well, that's actually pretty old for people with Down syndrome. And it hit me. Like, there's going to be a day where I might have to bury my daughter. And I'm asking God, why would you bring us through all of this? Make me go through that. 
And I know it's easy to say, Vaughn, you have to have faith and you have to let God and let go. But it's caused some real issues with me wondering, God, where are you? Because that doesn't seem fair. And God, you have the power to heal. And statistically, I know God's bigger than that. But I also know reality, and I've done enough funerals where I know young people can die. And that could be my daughter. Now, if I could be really honest with you, it came to this crisis of belief where I was personally wrestling with this, wondering, God, are you really good? Like, after all, God, I'm like one of the best people. I'm like, I'm in ministry, right? Why? Why, God? If I can be 110% transparent with you, it's even caused some doubts. Not doubts of does God exist or not. I have no doubt about it but doubts of what God can really do. And I stand before you this morning saying, it's okay to have doubts. And this is why. If you are in the valley this morning, you're in the valley of some things in your life and you have been wondering, where is God? You've been having doubts. Is God really good? Is God really there? God, are you really in control? Please read scripture. You see every hero of the faith had their death. When you get to that crisis of belief, that valley, I need to tell you, don't deny your doubts. Don't act like they don't exist because they're very real. If you deny your doubts, Satan's gonna have a heyday and twist that in your mind. Don't let your doubts walk you away from God, but let your doubts drive you to God. And really, that's where Habakkuk is right now. He's at the valley, and he's choosing to embrace and to wrestle. And that's where I'm at. I'm embracing and wrestling with that at least one time during the week. Embracing and wrestling God and it's healthy, it's good. Let your dark time, this time in the valley, drive you to God and start developing the habit that at any crisis of belief, because it's going to happen, crisis beliefs will happen. Develop the habit where you're gonna choose to embrace and to wrestle with God in spite of all that's happening around you. And don't let it drive you away from God, let it drive you to God. And once you start developing this habit, in your dark valley, a few things will happen. First one, you start experiencing Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. You rod and your staff protect me and they comfort me. You start understanding James 1, verse 2, where it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. When you're at your crisis of belief, when you're in the dark valley, consider it an opportunity 
for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And when you let your doubts drive you to God, you experience James 4, 8, come close to God. Come close to God because he will come close to you. Let your doubts drive you to God. The worship team wants to come up. Remember, true intimacy with God does not happen on the mountaintop church. True intimacy with God comes when you run to God in the darkest valleys. Let your crisis of belief, let your dark time in the valley, let, you, let your doubts about God drive you to God and not away because guess what? You cannot handle those dark valleys. Pay attention. You cannot handle those dark valleys without him. There is a Christianese saying, and I say Christianese because Christianese is just words that Christians say that maybe most of the world won't understand. But there's a Christianese saying that says, God will not give you more than you can handle. And I would say that's a bunch of balarkey. I said balarkey on the stage. I don't think it's a cuss word. But what it is, it's said by some well-meaning Christians who are taking this verse that says, God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can handle, which is very true because God will never allow you to be in a situation where you're tempted, where you possibly cannot back out of. God will always give you a way out in face of temptation, amen? We can agree on that one. But I believe you will experience very hard things in this life that God will allow you to go through so that you can learn or make the decision are you in it for real? Or are you gonna walk away? Are you gonna draw close to me so I can draw close to you? Or are you just gonna say, forget it all? Those are what we call tests, trials, and tribulations. And so I have to encourage you this morning, just like Habakkuk, to embrace and to wrestle. No matter what dark value you're in, would you choose to embrace and to wrestle? And I love to stand here before you and saying, guess what? My daughter's gonna be fine. She's gonna live to be old and it's gonna be great. And it's gonna be the natural process of life. But I can't because life isn't a fairy tale. And neither is the story of Habakkuk. I'm still in chapter one of this whole thing. I'm wondering if God's gonna step in and make everything all right. And in my dark time, in my valley, I'm going to embrace God and to wrestle. And that's the message. There is no happy ending. There is no, everything's gonna be all right. I can simply tell you, your struggle that you're in right now, choose to embrace God and to wrestle. To let your doubts drive you to him, not away from him. And let this be the time where your faith grows and not diminishes. 
Because if you choose to run towards God, I can tell you the next valley that you face might not seem as dark. Let's pray.